Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, I'm Liz Lozen. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. And I have been satisfied by something, you know, a little bit regular, but the weather reminds me of how necessary it is. I've been out there being all cute, sipping my PSLs, making turkey meatloaf for dinner. I don't even recognize myself anymore, right? But in Southern California, it's 100 damn degrees outside. I don't know what I'm trying to accomplish, so I am very satisfied by the efficacy of my air conditioning unit because I don't think I would have (laughs) been able to survive. (laughs) otherwise just melting andy is it super hot in chicago yet or are you guys having that perfect uh, like it that is one not. month of perfect weather that you guys get yeah it is it is not uh fall kicked in uh <sighs> kind of with a vengeance a couple days ago it went from we we were having 80 degree days and then boom we were in like the mid 50s so that's kind of where we are now it's like drizzly and mid 50s there's this like picture perfect idea of what fall weather should be. And then there's what fall weather actually is in Chicago, which is just a lot of drizzle and gray and and entirely the wrong temperature. Well, I'd love to say that we could switch gears to less gloomy news, but uh, we can't. <laughs> so here's some less than satisfying news to hit on before we get to previewing the weekend's games. We all obviously learned on Thursday morning that the Pittsburgh-Tennessee matchup has been postponed to sometime after week four. We don't have an official rescheduled date, but we know that it will not be this Sunday. So reminder to get your Steelers and your Titans players out of your lineups and obviously your your DFS lineups too. As far as the Yahoo Fantasy game is concerned, we are going to treat this like a bye week for all of the players involved. That's the simplest way to put it. So, so far also, just FYI, in case y'all haven't checked the regular NFL COVID list, none of the four players placed on the COVID IR list this week by the Titans are fantasy relevant. So it does mean that you're going to have to rejigger your lineups. Um, If you hadn't planned on it ahead of waivers clearing, then, you know, that's what Andy and I are here for. We're going to talk about all of the matchups, obviously. And some of these players were, you're probably going to end up starting even though you maybe hadn't planned to. I should also say that um, as we tape this, we know that a fifth player has tested positive, but we're not quite sure who that is yet. If, you, if this topic interests you, the uh, in-depth discussion of how we got here, incubation periods, what went wrong, and what, you know, maybe the NFL could have done better, uh, you should definitely check out the first half of yesterday's episode of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. Those two guys, Charles in particular, has had his finger on the pulse of this. His, his uh, long-term partner is also a nurse in Houston, so... You know, he's seen it um, from the POV of a healthcare worker. So it's an, an extra um, additional layer that I think his reporting has uh, that has been brought to his reporting, which is particularly interesting. But overall, we're going to get to the matchups now. We hope everyone is safe in Tennessee and we wish those players and personnel a speedy recovery. Yeah, one one thing that I guess I would just add is that I, I, I know our language around this is that we're treating it as a buy. This this week is effectively going to become the buy week for these two teams. And we, you know, I've had so many people hit me up and say, hey, you should place all of the players from both of these teams on the COVID IR list. And number one, it's kind of a slippery slope, obviously, to place uninjured players on an injury list or players who don't officially have that designation on an injury list. And, And number two, it also would set up a like a hugely unfair scenario where you would have two teams uh, who during their buys 
are entirely eligible for the IR list, and then 30 other teams who, when they're on by, are not eligible for the IR list. And you've got to make you've got to make drops. You've got to make hard decisions. So all of this is messy, as you have said. I mean, this is obviously an incredibly messy situation. I would also suggest that uh, it's not perfect, and I don't normally think that people should alter their league settings after a draft. But you can actually add bench spots during the season. And it's mm. a thing to consider because people should have considered it in the preseason. Like we wrote about this a little bit, not only right. adding IR spots, but also potentially adding bench spots for situations exactly like this one. Because it's not like it's certainly not out of the question that we have other postponed games like this can come up again. So you can add bench spots in season in private leagues. I think that's great advice, Andy. And you're right. I mean, we went into the season talking a lot about this is a real possibility. And now that it's here and we've seen it can happen probably best to prepare for it happening again, even though that is not something at all that we are hoping for. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like, be kind to your commissioners, too, because they're like, they're all <laughs> facing all your private league commissioners are facing, uh, you know, there's a couple of people yelling at them in each league, right? Like that's none of this is their fault. Like that's, this is 2020. Um, and these are the type of situations that we encounter around like every curve in 2020. So be kind to them. They, like it's a, it's a terrible situation. We we all have nothing but bad choices. Perfectly stated. Hashtag 2020. Um, let's talk about <laughs> a matchup in which you have two prominent figures in both on both teams or as part of both teams who are also screaming, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. Uh, the the <laughs> Drew Brees-led New Orleans Saints and the Matt Patricia-coached Detroit Lions are facing off on Sunday morning. Good news in this one is not just that. We saw Kenny Galladay return last week, so he figures to play again in week four, but also that Michael Thomas is back at practice and appears, knock on some wood, good to go. Galladay, we should say, first of all, looked like vintage Kenny Galladay. Like if there yeah. was any worry about him coming back at, at some sort of limited capacity, I mean, he gave you a touchdown. He played a ton of snaps. Nothing to worry about there. Um, somehow, like th this is just the track, the the stat that I know I'm going to track for Drew Brees all season. His average depth of target right now, like it went down. It was already it was already only five yards per throw, which was by far the, the lowest in the league. It went down to four point eight. Um, so he's barely throwing the ball forward at all in any way. We'll see if Michael Thomas changes that because obviously Michael Thomas's targets are not like other targets. We're probably no longer going to see Alvin Kamara just targeted, you know, 14 times, 16 mm -hmm. times at the line of scrimmage, which is what is driving it down for Breeze. So hopefully they're able to actually push the ball downfield. That is not a problem for Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's average depth of target is almost twice what, uh, what Breeze's is. It's one of the highest in the league. So your big thing then would be to watch for this matchup, uh, whether or not the return of Michael Thomas draws some uh, draw draws Drew Brees into more productivity. Yeah, we need Brees pushing the ball downfield like it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be like vintage Ben Roethlisberger. It doesn't have to be like Watson, but four times a game, like four or five times a game you got to take you got to take shots because i mean you can't leave no matter how good you are how accurate you are whatever you, you can't leave defenses with only 5 yards of field to defend that is not a plan for the full season like kamara's great but he, but he can't break off like he can't make miracles happen every game on every catch and i think this was a point that you made last week and it bears repeating and that is this is we knew this about drew brees right this is not necessarily a surprise the surprise is that Every once in a while, the four times per game when he did throw up a rainbow, it was there, right? And now yeah. they ain't no lucky charms at the end of that thing. Right, right. They hit it almost every time a couple of years ago. Like he may have suffered an injury late in the season a couple of years ago, but when he was having that crazy year and, and off to a tremendous start, like for three quarters of the season, he had a, an almost perfect passer rating on deep throws. Like they didn't do it a lot, but when they did it, it resulted in huge field flipping plays, long touchdowns like they were they were almost perfect at it. So um, it has to remain part of their offense. And and this would be a matchup you know, in which that should work for him. Right. Yes. We're not that we're not scared of the Lions secondary. So this should be an opportunity for him to get back in that groove. I'm particularly interested in TJ Hawkinson. We already talked about Kenny Galladay and how he looked great. Obviously, you're expecting Lattimore to cover uh, Galladay for the majority of the game. Marvin Jones gets the jackrabbit, but we've seen New Orleans struggle, obviously Darren Waller, right, against the tight end position. 
And there are plenty of, uh, of defensive playmakers who can stop Hawkinson, but I have to imagine that he will be peppered and this is an opportunity for him to maybe hopefully finally find the end zone. Yeah, no, it's a good call. Um, and we have a couple of fantasy relevant tight ends that are obviously unexpected scratches this week mm. in Ebron and, and Smith. And Hawkinson is a terrific pivot, as you as you say. It, it sure seems like it's going to be a great matchup after that Waller game. We've got the Chargers at Tampa Bay. All of that Keenan Allen heat that I took in the offseason, <laughs> using, frankly, a top, like I kept saying, but Andy Barron's taught me back when I was not even a part of Yahoo Fantasy, the, t- the talent is the tiebreaker, and I was taking him everywhere. In the- I have so much exposure to Keenan Allen. Felt real good last week, and particularly good knowing that he is he has 37 targets. He's drawn 37 <laughs> targets over the season. And for reference, because sometimes we need to contextualize. I'm someone who's like, oh, that's a number. But like, that's the same number of looks as New Hopkins. He is leading the lead with 37 targets. And obviously he didn't see that, <clears throat> excuse me, in week one. So obviously Justin Herbert has brought and rebounded his fantasy relevance. Yeah, this is a... a- kind of messy comparison but I mean you look at what Herbert has done so far as he has 641 passing yards in two games um not you know it hasn't been perfect it hasn't been a clinic but man this is really close to the way Philip Rivers would have managed the offense right because Allen was just targeted 19 times like we're not going to see that many games all season in which anyone sees 18 or 19 targets it's a ridiculous total but this is the kind of thing that we would have seen from Rivers. Um, all of a sudden, Austin Eckler is a relevant receiver again. And not just, I shouldn't just say a relevant receiver. He's a high volume receiver again. Mm-hmm. So this is good. Like, this is exactly what you would have expected from the Chargers offense with Philip Rivers at the controls, which is, you know, so think back to the way that you would have valued all these guys before you thought it was going to be the Tyrod and potentially Herbert show. Like, this has been really good news so far. Like, I don't know that Herbert is going to be great long term, but he's certainly good enough to support multiple startable fantasy commodities. So we should also mention that probably Keenan Allen's target share was um, inflated because Mike Williams left the game early with a hamstring issue. I'm I have not read yet whether or not he is good to go for week four, Mike Williams, that is. So if he is out, you could see another big volume game for Keenan Allen. Of course, obviously, though, the Tampa Bay defense, pretty good. They're tied for the league lead in takeaways, third in rushing yards allowed. So the opportunities will be there, but they will be difficult opportunities. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, we we did see Herbert have a have a game though against uh, against Kansas City, and Kansas City has been relatively stingy defensively. They obviously just shut down the Ravens. I think he's good enough to move the ball against this. But yeah, I mean, you're totally right. Tampa Bay is a credible defense. We shouldn't expect you know just an absolute shootout uh, in this one. But again, I think Herbert can get us to 280 yards or so, which is really all we need. My fear is that there might be enough tape on Herbert now. Like I think that. The Kansas City Chiefs were a little bit blindsided with him being the starter and hadn't prepared for Herbert, right? And now there's more available, and I I think the Tampa Bay defense is good enough, and now that they have enough tape that they might be able to adjust accordingly. I still think that the volume is good. You're going to start these guys, but I also think as when we talk about roster construction and balance, when you are starting Keenan Allen, is probably your wide receiver too, frankly, unless, you know, you have the... Pittsburgh um, Titans issue to deal with or you have holes, but probably he's your wide receiver too. You might want to consider him uh, like a higher floor type play and then try to reach for a ceiling in your flex play just to make up for what he wouldn't, wouldn't normally get. But let's talk about Tampa Bay because it looks like we're going to have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin back finally in week four. I mean, we've been waiting for this arsenal that Tom Brady has at his disposal to be fully healthy. And it feels like it's finally going to be this week. And again, obviously, the Chargers, very, very good defense as well. Um, yeah, I, this is this is tough for Tampa Bay because we still don't know the Godwin situation. Um, I, I don't believe he's been practicing yet this week. So we've got to. Like we've we've got to watch that. Evans just put up that hilarious stat line, right? Um, two, two, two catches, two. two yards, two <laughs> touchdowns. I think I think it was the third time in NFL history that uh, anybody had ever caught two touchdowns for two yards. <laughs> like, and they weren't even. It wasn't even two yards. Like, really, it was like two feet. Um, they were anyway. Amazing stat line for him. But uh, yeah, re- like at some point, 
the Chargers defense has to be regarded as relatively uh, a relatively friendly matchup because they they've lost so many pieces. Um, they've they've done reasonably well so far, but they have taken so much damage to this point in the season. You you would have to think that Tom Brady and this uh, this offense can exploit it. Uh, Scott like Scotty Miller, I think also dinged right now. So there's a lot of ambiguously injured players uh, on on the Tampa Bay side. This is going to be one of those one of those game day start set decisions is this the opportunity that Gronk has been waiting for he like shook off the rust at the top you talk about the injuries to the Chargers obviously there's no Derwin James and there's no Scotty Miller so we need a security blanket I mean if Godwin can't be cleared um though again I expect you he will be but you're right we don't have a definitive on that like do we finally get the Gronk game is that the most yeah like, also when week four of all weeks is that the most perfect 2020 play I feel like such a like such a newbie for for not seeing through what was going on in Tampa Bay last week because Gronk was actually targeted like uh, I want to say he was targeted seven times last week in a week in which we actually heard Bruce Arians say, why would I ever throw to the tight end position when I have such great wide receivers? And, and, you know, like Gronk has sort of downplayed his role. So, of course, he was going to lead the team in targets or close to it. Um, Yeah, I think both he and and Howard can be relevant. They may they may swap weeks occasionally. But I like all of a sudden and I'm in a bunch of leagues where Gronk was dropped. Uh, and again, with Johnny out, with Ebron out, I, I think he's totally in play. If he's on your waiver wire, he's definitely uh, an addition of interest. I had someone on Twitter um, ask me what to do because he has both Ben Roethlisberger and Ryan Tannehill. And I immediately pointed him towards the Jacksonville at Cincinnati game. Yeah, which we are about to talk, to, uh, which we are about to discuss um, the Jags defense allowing the highest passer rating in the league this year. So I know that Minshew is coming off of a uh, an underwhelming effort, right? But he's had time to collect himself. And the Cincinnati defense, though better than the Jags defense, I mean, this is like kind of perfect, right? Because like Minshew's defense is bad, so he's going to have to keep throwing. Cincinnati's defense can be had, (laughs) so he needs to keep throwing. And on the other side of things, and I'm mentioning Minshew first, not just because he's the traveling quarterback, but because he is the more available in terms of the waiver wire, I'm imagining, uh, a quarterback. So both of these guys, whether you need, uh, whether Minshew or Burrow, take a look at either of them on the, um, let's see, right now Minshew is available in over 50% of leagues. I'll look up Burrow while you comment. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the right way to look at this because um, Minshew was obviously, Minshew's just sort of in the middle of this tremendous stretch of matchups. Um, and he's obviously coming off a dog of a game that disappointed people. So I imagine people who've been streaming quarterbacks um, have probably kicked him to the curb after last Thursday, but he gets he gets DJ Chark back. We think um, Chark mm-hmm. has returned to practice. That should be he was a bit of a surprise inactive. I thought last week, and part of that was probably the fact that it was just a shortened week for the team, right? And he couldn't turn around in four days. Getting him back in place, like everybody saw, if you watch that game, how how poor Conley played. Like he was he was a mess. And those are those are the targets that will go to Shark. Um, there was the there was the downfield miss that should have been a walk in touchdown for Conley that Minshew overthrew. There were drops like, you know, Shark hasn't been heavily targeted this season. I think he only has seven targets on the year, but he hasn't dropped any of them. He's caught everything. He's got a touchdown. He was a top 10 fantasy receiver basically until the injury last year. So uh, like uh, for me, Minshew is is sort of all systems go. It's not going to surprise me if he's a top 12 quarterback here. And to that, I also think that James Robinson becomes yeah i mean he's like an every week rb1 on that rb1 rb2 bubble maybe this week i mean would you have just theoretically would you have ranked robinson ahead of james connor no i don't i don't have him quite there yet because he's not like robinson's a really good runner and he's the clear early down runner for that team's james james connor offers a little bit more as a receiver right now. Uh, and it's an offense that I, that I think a little bit higher of, but they would have been close. Like, I think they're, I think they're both top 15 running backs. I don't, I don't like, I don't think we have to wonder very uh, like at this stage, whether we actually need to play James Robinson. He's just a set it and forget it sort of starter right now. I, I think I have him higher than Mixon. I'll say like, I think I have him oh. higher than the guy on the other side of this game who, who really troubles me. Not, not because of his own talent. Like I, I love watching Joe Mixon play and I appreciate that uh, like a foundational uh, cornerstone of this offense is still to put Joe Mixon in terrible situations, like four <laughs> yards behind the line of scrimmage and then watch him scamper for like a three yard gain. Like I like those are fun. Those plays are always fun. They're not throwing to him, right? He has his seven issue, receptions. Right? 
He has seven receptions heading into week four. That's part like that has to be part of his game if this isn't going to be some high scoring offense. I think when you have this matchup, though, this has to be the now or never. Also, he's wildly affordable in our DFS game. So, yeah. you know, all things, n- nothing is static ever, especially in the NFL. So if there is going to be a rebound point for Joe Mixon, this has got to be it. I am still, he's outside of my top 12. I think he, I have him at like RB 14 to 16-ish, maybe that range. But I am still, I, I have him in a, a league or two. I am still like willing to try it out this week before completely giving up. We'll see. Um, I do want to talk about the receivers in Cincinnati quickly. Tyler Boyd, obviously, you're starting him for all the reasons you drafted him. He is the floor. He is regularly peppered. But those high-value targets, he can get there after the catch, but the high-value targets in the red area of the field on a regular basis or the deeper targets, we talked about how at the top of the season, season, A.J. Green getting the looks but seemed out of sync. And then last week, things seemed to shift to the, as you coined the phrase, AJ Green replicant, T. Higgins. <laughs> Have we seen the baton be passed here? Yeah, I, I will say Higgins on the touchdowns last week was was almost totally uncovered. And some of that's him and some of that is the relative attention that defenses yep. are paying to him. Um, so they were they were easy pitch and catch throws. He didn't he didn't have a totally clean game. Like he's not he's not the most polished receiver out there necessarily, but he's big. He's he's like a catch radius guy. You know, he can leap a little bit like he just profiles as so close to A.J. Green when A.J. Green was was coming out. Like, I I think one of the knocks on A.J. Green is, he you know, maybe he didn't run the 40 that everybody wanted him to. And Higgins was kind of in that same boat. But like Higgins was just a highlight machine at uh, at Clemson, like a wonderful collegiate player who faced the the most daunting matchups in the country in the biggest moments. Right. And was great. I don't have a lot of doubts about T. Higgins as a as a future pro. And yeah, it's not going to it's not going to surprise me if T. Higgins finishes this season with like eight or nine touchdowns. I think that's I think that's totally in play. Um, Probably not a thousand yards. He's going to be one of these boom bust guys. But I think he's probably got two or three more games in him where he finds the end zone maybe more than once. I think this is a week if we talk when we were talking a little bit earlier about roster construction, reaching for a ceiling. This is a matchup in which I would feel comfortable throwing in Higgins because of his touchdown potential that you mentioned as my flex. Also, he's rostered in 28% of our leagues. Like this is someone that I would like to play the matchups with, especially if I am looking forward, knowing that they're probably maybe more unexpected by weeks and by weeks themselves are coming up anyway. I I'm very interested in having him on my bench and playing the matchups. And I'm very interested to see what he does this weekend in an easy matchup Though you have to, you know, obviously say like, well, if the, if the matchup is easy, then AJ Green should be able to produce in the way he wants to. But I'm not quite sure that Joe Burrow has the connection with AJ Green that he does with Higgins, obviously of the rookie class. And I don't, I don't, think Cincinnati cares anymore I think they're ready to move on <laughs> yeah well they're also letting Joe Burrow throw the ball 50 60 yeah. times like they so to. I mean. yeah yeah so we don't even really have to worry about where Higgins falls in the receiving hierarchy because you know like if they're going to throw the ball 60 times 55 times whatever he's going to see six of those he's going to see eight of those the targets are going to be there uh, my mea culpa by the way for the Drew Sample pick uh I was a little too gobstopped by the one-handed catch. I didn't really think he could do that. And guess what? Nobody else does either. That's why he went back to blocking. And when you see Joe Burrow getting blown up because his line is trashed regularly, you understand why Drew Sample's going to go back to blocking. So my apologies for that one. If it makes anyone feel better, I also follow my own advice and I got bit for it. So there you go. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about Minnesota at Houston. There's a lot of levels to this one. I, I feel like there's... So much going on. Obviously, as of the taping, there have been no positive tests for the Vikings, which were the Titans' opponents last week. But you might want to keep an eye on things. I have to imagine that after playing one of the most insane schedules to start this season, Houston is feeling that they have an opportunity to catch a break here, right? Like, it can't be awesome for the Vikings to go into this game 0-3, which nobody in Minnesota anticipated. Well, I mean, maybe people who live there, but no, no one, in the, <laughs> no one on the staff anticipated. And then this has been like a stressful and confusing week. And they've got to travel to Houston, who's pretty dang desperate. This could be like a, a, a UFC fight of sorts. 
Yeah, I feel like I feel like the Minnesota defense is going to be just a gift that keeps on giving for a little while, right? Like we've mentioned this with with some other teams. Like I I feel like this is an obvious like get right game for Deshaun Watson and the Houston offense. It has to be because they I mean, their schedule has been monstrous. It's oh. been absolutely brutal. Like it's not, you know, if if you've been disappointed by Deshaun so far, it really has more to do with the schedule than it does anything else. The one issue, I guess, with that offense is that uh, uh, Will Fuller popped up on the injury report with a, with a, yet another hamstring issue. Like it's commonly a hamstring with with him. Perhaps that was the that was really the problem a couple of weeks ago when he when he put up the zero. No, really, um, when we saw his hamstring like, being massaged on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then he and then he wasn't listed on the injury report at all. Yeah, um, so that's so that's obviously going to be an issue. And you, like you never expect Will Fuller to play through a hamstring issue either. I feel like we've had this fire drill enough that you should be pretty pessimistic on him coming into game day. But still, they've had some success with Cobb. They've had they've had some success with Cooks. Um, David Johnson is still there. Watson's a phenomenal player. So th- this feels like a breakout spot for Deshaun Watson. I would have said coming into this week that he had a real shot at being the QB one, but you know, if if I can't get Will Fuller in this one, um, maybe I maybe I would back off that pick. So Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks have basically taken turns being healthy, right? Like they've rotated yeah. on yeah. and off the field, and they there's some overlap in their skill sets, right? Like downfield speed type players. Randall Cobb, I swear this is the truth, leads the Houston receivers in yards right now. <laughs> He is a top, he is the leading receiver for the Houston Texans in terms of yardage. Um, and he's also crushing it in targets. I think this is the play, yeah. guys. Like, Deshaun Watson, Here, here's the thing. Randall Cobb is not the security blanket that any of us imagined for Deshaun Watson. But, yo, this is it. And also, he is still, despite his theoretically advanced age, crushing after the catch, which is nice. It's padding everybody's stats, right? We like to see that. He is likely to draw, if Mike Hughes can't get healthy, the cornerback for Minnesota can't get healthy, he didn't play last week, he's likely, Cobb will, draw Jeff Gladney, who is a rookie, uh, I believe out of TCU, and has struggled in coverage. He's allowing a, a passer rating of, last I checked, 104 to opposing QBs. So some some places say 102, some places say 106. Everybody has kind of a different system, but let's call it at 104. Um, so I think Cobb, because of his reliability... Uh, that's also wild to say uh, because of his reliability <laughs> and because of the matchup, like this is a flex. Like we, you know, we talk about yeah. the slot receivers. We talk about James, J- Jamison Crowder, right. And blah, gross. Like that's Randall Cobb right now. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And listen, if you sign up for a full PPR league, that is what you're signing up for. You're signing up for Jamison Crowder and for Randall Cobb and for Cole Beasley yeah. and for Hunter Renfro. Like that's uh, that, that's who carries you like Ugh. as a wide receiver three through uh, through a lot of weeks. Right. Those guys who are just always six catches, 65 yards. Maybe that maybe there's no touchdown there, but it's still double digit fantasy points in a full PPR league. And Cobb certainly fits that description. Plus, he's with um, like just a, a quarterback with some rare gifts. And some of that after the catch ability is a reflection of the accuracy of a quarterback and the decision making and processing of a quarterback. And, and you're going to get that with Deshaun. So, yeah, I think he's a really strong start in this one. Um, on the other side, I'm 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 all in on Justin Jefferson. I'm really excited for this. Uh, like, I think that breakout game was real. Loved watching him jaw with uh, with Malcolm Butler. Like that was just one mm-hmm. of the great matchups of uh, of week three. That was really fun. And you can you can kind of forgive a rookie receiver who needed a couple weeks to to break out in a in a year without a preseason, right? Like just makes perfect sense. He was also sense. on the COVID list, so he missed. Yeah, you know, yeah. Over the summer, he missed. He didn't just miss the preseason. He missed practice time ahead of that. Yeah. So like, I think he's settled in now as the clear as the clear number number two. And and like Adam Thielen is still sitting around, I think, 50 percent of this team's targeted air yards, which is which is kind of crazy. Like nobody's going to nobody's going to hold that number for the full season. But like they were so reliant on Thielen. Jefferson's breakout should just make such a difference for the offense. Like they they needed somebody to step up and be this guy. And it wasn't going to be BC Johnson. And so now that he's, you know, now that he now that he sort of has that role, I expect him to be a, a wide receiver too the rest of the way. I like it. I think that's a bold call, and I also agree with it. Um, let's talk about Seattle at Miami. This is, again, if you're looking for replacements for Ben Roethlisberger, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has been yeah. nothing but magic, is in a really good spot. The line on this game, I believe, is currently what, 53, I want to say, per bet MGM. 
I'm sorry, it's 54. So the over-under on this game is 54. Vegas is obviously expecting a bit of a ping-pong match. That's great for for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's got great repeat. I like this as a as a Preston Williams game as well. I think that yeah. he's a player they pop. I mean, Mike Gusecki has has been unlocked as the team's slot receiver for all intents and purposes anyway, but we've seen that. I think this is a nice Preston Williams game. And again, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been very efficient. He's completing, I think he has a current YPA, I believe, of 7.1 and uh, completing around 70% of his passes, which is top six. Also, getting some rushing yards. He's in the top 10 in terms of um, rushing yards among quarterbacks as well. Yeah, he went 18 for 20 last week, and like one of the misses bounced off Gasecki's face, right? Like he was right. just deadly accurate all game. He was. He was phenomenal, and he's facing a defense that is currently allowing 430.7 passing yards per game. The lowest single-game passing total against Seattle this year has been 397 by Cam Newton. Um, like, it's it's almost been under-discussed, the fact that Seattle's defense hasn't stopped a thing. Like, they have not stopped a thing. This is a great spot for Fitzpatrick. There's really nothing else to say on the Seattle side except start them all. We can worry a little bit about Chris Carson. He, But he did at least surface at practice this week, which is good to see because I I think we'd all assumed after after last week's uh, uh, cheap shot on on Carson that uh, that he was going to miss a week or two. He may have a chance to play. That would be great. If he doesn't, Carlos Hyde is going to get all that early down work, and that's good for him. Yep, agree. Uh, last thing we should talk about, the running backs, Miles Gaskins, who you and I have been talking about since I think the start of the season as the as a pass catching back or a back who excels in the receiving game, he he logged 75 percent of the snaps last week versus Jacksonville. So if there was any question as to who the RB one is in Miami, it's Miles Gaskin. Yeah, no doubt about it. 20, 25, 27 touches, something like that. The only thing he doesn't get are the are the one yard carries that go to Jordan Howard, but everything else goes to Gaskin. Let's talk about Cleveland at Dallas next because, um, well, I, I have a question for you. I think we were all sweating. This is another potentially high-scoring game. The projected over-under currently via BetMGM is 56 points on this one, um, which seems a bit wild for two theoretically run-first operations. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, some of the some of the numbers against Dallas are just sort of skewed by the fact that they've faced Russell Wilson, right? And it mm-hmm. feels like it, while he's going this way, he's he's just going to mess up stats for a lot of teams, right? Because they're just going to score 35, 38 points a week, and there's nothing you can do about it, no matter like what kind of quality your defense is. But Dallas, right at this moment, they're allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, the second most to wide receivers, the 10th most to tight ends. Like it is a really friendly matchup. They've been, you know, auditioning potential new members of the secondary, looking at guys off the street, right? Like they need help. They are not whatever you thought the defense was going to be. They they ain't that. So it is a very friendly spot for Baker Mayfield, who would be a questionable starter most weeks. Um, probably not this week. They There are some notable like kind of vague injuries on on the Cleveland side, right? Like OBJ popped up with, uh, with I think it was a back injury midweek. Kareem Hunt is dealing with a groin injury that isn't considered particularly serious, but it would be nice to see him practice before this one. So these are these are major receiving threats for that team, obviously. But if if they can both go, I think Baker can be a really quality start here. If Kareem Hunt can't go, how many carries does Nick Chubb get in the first half? Yeah, yeah, it might be like it's probably like 18, right? Like right? it's a it's a <laughs> yeah. it's a huge workload. Um he probably finishes the game with 30 touches and he's going to he's going to vault to I, I would imagine everybody's RB1 if Kareem Hunt can't go. La- last thing on this um is Cedric Wilson a thing really Andy? Like do we need to add him to the cadre of players that we always regularly keep our eye on? Yeah, uh, John Paulson and I talked about this on the on the pickups podcast. I I just can't believe he is. This is like the, I mean, I, it's lazy to make a comparison to the same team, but this Kevin feels like Ogletree. the the, o- the Ogletree yeah. game from a few years ago, right? Like, there's a, I I mean, Ceedee Lamb is going to remain a huge part of this team's future. Amari Cooper has been a ridiculous target magnet all year. Uh, Michael Gallup is tremendous. Like, there's not going to be as good as Dak is, as good as the offense is. There's there's probably not going to be room for like a fourth wide receiver that we have to really keep track of. Like, this was an isolated blow up game. They happen. I wouldn't I wouldn't count on it repeating. Also, if we're worried about, you know, everyone was worried about Michael Gallup. And I mean, I was biting my fingernails until the very end, right, um, of last of last Sunday. 
But if Michael Gallup is going to be like the downfield guy, then this is an opera. Then this matchup is when you can feel comfortable, right? It looks like CeeDee Lamb, especially with the Cowboys O-line, not 100%. So CeeDee Lamb looks to be a little bit like that safety valve, that short to intermediate yardage option for Dak Prescott. And then Gallup is, and Amari Cooper's just doing whatever inconsistent nonsense he's doing, but he always, fine. Um, but then Michael Gallup... <laughs> is the is the downfield clutch option. And so when I see Vegas putting such a high projected point total on this game, I feel comfortable with Gallup. And that might be how we have to think of him moving forward. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Like you can, as a Michael Gallup, as somebody who has a ton of Michael Gallup, the same, same. Um, it, 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 yeah, like you can feel pretty nervous watching the Cowboys play because like 20 minutes will go by and Michael Gallup won't see a target, right? But his targets are of such high value um, and he's so good and such an explosive player, right? Like if they, if they continually target him 25 yards downfield, he eventually, he eventually makes a little fantasy noise. Like you, you can get a little nervous watching him and he's not, he's not going to have very many games where he draws like 14, 15 targets. That's, that's not his role in the offense, but he is an elite, uh, just lid lifter and he's going to be great all season. Cause the offense is going to be great. I, I do, I do want to also say that Dalton Schultz, while he didn't have some blow up game, he kind of doubled down a little bit. Like he saw six targets finish with 48 yards. Um, your tight ends are going to do that. You don't have to drop them after a, after a 48 yard game. Like that's right. fine for a tight end. He like, that was, that was within the the expectations for Jarwin too. So off the, off the 10 target game um, for him to see another six targets, I thought was a really good sign. It's a great point. Arizona at Carolina. How is Kyler Murray? Not everybody's QB two in this match. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, it, like, obviously, an incredible runner. Um, we've, we've seen it plenty this year. Um, coming off a, a somewhat disappointing game that was still great for fantasy. Yeah. It, it's just a, it's just an absolutely stellar matchup. Yeah, I, absolutely. I fully agree with you. The Panthers are allowing the most rushing touchdowns this season. Um, so we know that Kyler can, like, do both of the things, all of the things. So I have him as my QB two ahead of Lamar Jackson. I know that that is sacrilege, but I just can't not in this matchup. I'm also willing to pay full freight for, uh, in order to have his services for DFS. If I were to set a lineup, um, what is your big thing for this game? I mean, I think I immediately, if I'm looking at the matchup, I think about outside of Kyler being next level, when I think about Carolina, I think Teddy Bridgewater's playing really good clean ball, and that's great, but it's also really benefiting Robbie Anderson, who has been consistent, which is something that when you think of Robbie Anderson, that's not necessarily the word that comes to mind. Yeah, Robbie Anderson is seeing like eight to 10 targets a week. Um, this yeah. is not the Robbie Anderson that would get five targets and you hoped that one of them went for a 45-yard touchdown. Like this is this is Robbie Anderson with volume, which, which has been great because it gives him... It gives him a floor where you don't have to feel like you're going to you're going to tank your matchup if he happens to only catch two of his five targets for like 20 yards. Right. Like there just haven't been a lot of those games. Volume has been there all year. And I think it was like if I if I had to point to one big thing on the Carolina side, it would be the fact that Mike Davis did everything we could have hoped for. Um, 21 touches over three quarters of the snaps played on offense. So like he was the guy. And when he wasn't the guy, they were handing the ball to to Curtis Samuel. But this is basically, you know, Mike Davis is going to get as much burn as he can as he can handle while McCaffrey's out, which is which is really good to see. The double digit carries and the opportunities in the passing game. Um, he is a rock solid RB2 with that sort of involvement, yep. right? Yep, All right. absolutely. And Arizona, Kenyon Drake. So I've heard, you know, there's a little bit about Ken worry surrounding Kenyon Drake's lack of involvement in the passing game and how that looks like there is a, a bit of a schism in terms of workload and that uh, passing game work leaning more towards Chase Edmonds. But I, I don't think that Chase Edmonds is going to have that many opportunities in this game because of the match. I mean, because Carolina is so bad versus the run, I I don't think you're going to need to worry about Chase Edmonds. Yeah, Edmonds is just not playing enough that that we can rely on him. And outside outside of like a really cluttered bye week, um, he, he he just can't be he can't be started. He's he's exciting enough that I want to keep him on a roster in case anything were to happen to Drake. But Drake is still seeing volume. Like this is this is the blow up spot for Kenyon Drake. Um, right. You can worry a little bit about Kenyon Drake if it doesn't happen here, because everybody has found the ends. Every running back has found the ends out against Carolina this season. Not going to surprise me at all if Kenyon Drake scores two touchdowns in this one. Like he should, based on what everybody else has done against Carolina. We should get multiple touchdowns from from Kenyon Drake in this one. Agreed. So 
not that my point was that people should consider starting Chase Edmonds, but that he might take away from Drake's opportunities. But I don't think that given this potential game script, no. that's going to be um, a situation to wring your hands over. Uh, Indianapolis at Chicago. Eee! Okay, so Nick, <laughs> F- <laughs> Nick Foles. By the way, Andy, I just have to call back to FFL because, you know, I, I burned my Palo Santo when talking about Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, they were playing the Falcons. <laughs> and it looked to be a good matchup for Mitch. And I was trying to clear all the bad bad energy out if I was going to put his name in my mouth. And then you said <laughs> that I used witchcraft. And I would say maybe I cast a spell better than anyone intended. Because <laughs> look what I, didn't I like- did. Yeah, um, that that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. I don't know exactly what the intent of the spell was. Um, and I, I don't know about the inner workings of your coven or anything like that, but I'm glad <laughs> you did it. I'm really glad to see Nick Foles at the controls of this offense. I'm. It's surprising that it did. Like, once you didn't pick up Mitch's fifth-year option, like, that was it. That was it. And and I, I don't know why he started the year as at quarterback, but whatever. It's got it's for got Ryan it's over Pace, now for Ryan Pace. Yes, it's over now. We don't we don't. Yeah, we don't have to we don't have to deal with that anymore. It was obviously good for Allen Robinson. Not that not that Nick Foles is, you know, I mean, obviously he had a Super Bowl moment. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He's, you know, he's he's when he's when he's on, he's like seven touchdown Nick Foles. Clearly not a consistent quarterback. There are plenty of flaws with Nick Foles, but he is a competent starting quality NFL quarterback, which I just don't think is an apt description of, of Mitch Trubisky. And and he's willing to take big shots and he's much more likely to hit deep shots than uh, than Mitch is. Um, he's not really sort of the see it, throw it quarterback that that Mitch is right. Like Nick Foles will let the ball go before a receiver is, is in his break. Right. And like the timing just feels right with Nick Foles. Um I think this is good for Anthony Miller. I think this is obviously good for Allen Robinson, who had a monster game against Atlanta, and like everything just clicked once uh, once Foles was in the game. I don't I don't know that that wouldn't have happened for Mitch because it's such a you know Atlanta has just been such a, a miserable uh, defense all year. Like Mitch was probably going to have a game eventually, but you know it's not like you can you can't wait for like fourth quarter Mitch Trubisky heroics every time out. So no. everything should be better now that Foles is at the controls. Yeah, the three and O Bears are definitely surging. Unfortunately, they're playing. <laughs> do you like that? They're playing a Colts team that has allowed the fewest passing yards this season. Um, which means we have to talk a little bit about Chicago's backfield. Tariq Cohen has an ACL loss for the season. <laughs> the provincial thought, and I am I am using that word purposefully. The provincial thought because I have been exposed to Matt Nagy enough is that David Montgomery now would be in a prime position, except. Of course, Nagy talks about how Corderell Patterson, who, by the way, last week I called the team's RB2, is going to see a lot more opportunities. Now, obviously, I'm being like a little bit facetious. You have to imagine that David Montgomery is going to see relatively more opportunities, but that doesn't mean that Corderell Patterson is going away. No, I think we're probably we're probably like three days from having to have a should Patterson have RB eligibility no, conversation. Don't put um, that- I need to clear it. Don't <laughs> yeah, yeah, put the, it in. I know the you need ether. the you need the witchcraft again. I'm sorry about that. Like, but I mean, we are going to see Patterson in the backfield. Um, we've seen it a little bit this season. We're probably going to see a little bit more. Not that he's exactly like Cohen, but he is the sort of uh, you know gadgety player that you can do whatever whatever whimsical things Matt Nagy wants to do. You can do them with Patterson just as well as you can do them with Cohen. Um, so we're going to see plenty of them. So I, I like I think to your to your real point here, you, you're right. This doesn't mean that all of Cohen's projected touches now go to David Montgomery. It's not like that. Um, Indianapolis, this team is like as uninspiring as possible. Like I want (laughs) to be, they had so many great pieces. Like we talked about Paris Campbell, right? In week one, and that looked exciting. And then I was like, all right, well, Michael Pittman is someone, another rookie that he's got some great, like after the catch ability and versatility and a toughness to him. And he could be excited. He has an opportunity now to stand up and, T.Y. Hilton's getting calls from his grandma and they ain't making a damn bit of difference. And now I have to imagine. So I should also mention that that Michael Pittman, the reason I'm bringing him up is that he had surgery on his calf. So he is out until week eight, nine ish, something in that range. Um, And so now we look at the receivers and you've got T.Y. Hilton. 
and Mo Alley Cox. And last week you and I talked about, oh man, all those Mo Alley Cox takes all that opportunity. I guess those like we have to push aside or pause for a moment because Jack Doyle's on the field. Thank God. Thank God Philip <laughs> Rivers was like, nah, man, I need somebody athletic and electric to do something. And Mo Alley Cox, I don't know if you know this, Andy, he played basketball. Um, he <laughs> is that guy currently leading the league in yards after catch. Asterisk George Kittle hasn't played a game since week one. But still, this is exciting. And I think he has real sleeper potential. Like this is a guy who now has like, I would say like top, 14 to 12 potential just because you look at how much Philip Rivers likes to lean on the position, how um, shallow the receiving options are, and how, frankly, uninspiring Zach Pascal and unfortunately, unfortunately, T.Y. Hilton have become. Yeah, it was one of the it was one of the best things, you know, kind of under the radar things that we saw from uh, from week three was that Mo Ali Cox was still involved, that he didn't just go back on the shelf with uh, with Jack Doyle's return. That was that was awesome to see. I can't believe that this offense all of a sudden is back to like we're back to talking about Zach Pascal as like yeah. a deep league, you know, fantasy play. It's just really it's just really disappointing. Um, but Mo Ali Cox should remain a thing. Um, he's obviously not going to he's obviously not going to blow up every week because I, I don't know that he's going to play as many snaps as anybody wants. But he's probably still going to steadily see three to six targets with targets in goal to go situations as well. Um, you would think that given their lack of receiving options right now, that Naheem Hines would uh, remain part of the game plan as well. I, I hope that's true because I have a fair amount of Naheem Hines. I do think that we're going to see better things from T.Y. Hilton, and I kind of view Hilton as, especially since he was so heavily targeted in the first couple games, um, they didn't they didn't really need him last week. Obviously, like I, I think he's a bit of a buy low. I think I think anybody who's got T.Y. Hilton on a roster is fairly disgusted because he had some early drops. He at least caught everything that was thrown his way last week. That was good to see. So we can't say that Grandma's pep talk didn't help. Um, the workload wasn't necessarily there. I, I think there's probably a bigger role for him. I think there's probably a bigger role for him here. And obviously with with Campbell and, and Pittman both sidelined, like Hilton's going to have some games where he sees 12 targets. Hey, uh, do you think he's going to do anything against the Bears, though, in this matchup? No, I don't think this is a blow up yeah. spot for for Hilton by any means. But I, I think the workload is, is steadily going to be there. And I think we have to almost throw last week out the window because they were barely, you know, I mean, they're barely playing a, an NFL caliber roster really like like all of a sudden the Colts all of a sudden the Colts have the number one defense in fantasy too by the way off of last week I just want to throw that out there it's a it's a very very fair point the Ravens are traveling well they're not really traveling because they're facing the Washington football (laughs) team this is like the battle of Delmarva if you will um (laughs) a crosstown classic Chase Young, unfortunately, for the Washington football team, is expected to miss week four this game against the Ravens. Um, And that's problematic because the Ravens like to run a lot. Yeah, um, this is like it. Yeah, you don't need an expert to tell you that this is quite a bounce back spot for Lamar Jackson <laughs> right. after a after a disappointing Monday nighter in which he didn't even reach uh, 100 passing yards. He was still great on the ground, but you know you're obviously not going to beat Kansas City unless everything is everything is clicking. Um, a win over the Washington football team obviously doesn't really uh, erase the sting of the of the loss to the Chiefs, but I would expect this to be like the Ravens are just going to have a bunch of games all year, as they did last year, in all likelihood where you know, it, it's over by halftime. And this this is kind of the recipe for one of those because Chase Young is an obvious difference maker and not having him on the field is just, it, it leaves you thinking that there's there's really not a lot of hope for Washington here. So this has the vibe of one of those games that gets to 40 points for the Ravens pretty quick. But then isn't there an opportunity for Lamar Jackson, like we saw in the game against Houston, to just sort of ride it on out and not produce a ton of fantasy stats? Yeah, they just have to get to 40 points somehow, right? And that probably involves 80 rushing yards for Lamar Jackson and 200 passing and three touchdowns. Like, that that's not going to surprise me at all. I mean, I, I fully expect Lamar Jackson to give us three touchdowns in this game. Um, I, Like, some combination of on the ground, through the air. Two, it's a bounce back week for Lake. on the ground, yeah. Andrews just had a, you know, you would again, it wasn't you wouldn't exactly call it a drop. It would have been a a, a great catch in the end zone. But he but he did let the ball go in the end zone uh, on Monday night. So you, like it's a bounce back spot for him. We would like to think that Hollywood Brown could get a little something going here, too. I agree. All right. For the Washington side of things, uh, we saw Antonio Gibson, right? He's been on the rise. That's been great. Ravens haven't allowed a rushing touchdown this season. So just temper your expectations. <laughs> 
We wanted to say thanks again to our sponsor for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. And we're back with the Sunday latest games, Giants at Rams, Cam Akers likely out. So we know what we're doing here, right? We do know what we're doing here. We're we're leaning on uh, Daryl Henderson again. He's been great. Like he's been absolutely great. The the Rams are an easy offense for fantasy purposes. It's Woods, it's Cup, it's uh, Higby, it's Henderson right now. Uh, in instead of Brown, the Giants are quite a mess. Um, these are their point totals in their three games: sixteen points, thirteen points, and nine points. Um, so that's not trending. That's not trending a good direction at all. <laughs> like this is real. This is really ugly on the Giants side. No, and I don't think it's going to get much better because Darius Slayton, who we've talked about a lot, and who is a player I absolutely adore, draws obviously a tough matchup against Jalen Ramsey. I am interested to see if there is one thing I am watching and I am projecting anxiously. I suppose is as much as I can get anxious about the New York Giants right now about Devonta Freeman and his workload in this one. I mean, the Rams, we've talked about them being sneaky bad against the run. So there is an opportunity here, yeah. but mm, nothing. I was not obviously um, what we saw out of him in week three is not what I think will be his regular workload moving forward. But I was a bit dismayed at how bad the operation seemed altogether. Yeah, um, that that's fair. I I do think that Freeman is going to like there's going to be a game where Freeman finally gets like 15 carries and three catches. And that's probably when you're going to want to take him to the to the trade market in your league. Like, I don't think he's necessarily going to be some great asset all year, um, but it was good to see him just play at all. Right. Because he, he yeah. was a late week signing, basically had a Zoom meeting with the team and shook some hands. And then he was like, OK, we need you to carry the ball five times today. Like, I mean, it's it was a, an unenviable situation that he was in. So I I think you have to throw last week out the window for him. We talked about the Ravens and um, how their meeting with the Kansas City Chiefs didn't really go as planned, at least for Ravens fans. Their defense, the Ravens, could not stop Patrick Mahomes. But can the Patriots? New England is traveling to Kansas City. I still have Patrick Mahomes as like a top six quarterback because as we've said on this program plenty of times, three touchdowns and 300 yards is the expectation. So thank you. Yeah, his worst fantasy weeks are still top 10 fantasy weeks. You can't you can't really drop him outside the top five, top six. Um, he's playing at a level that is that is rare in the history of the NFL. Like there's just no way that I would sit him. And Tyree Kill is one of those guys who despite, you know, he can have a challenging matchup, but he has he's the he's like the one guy in the NFL that has something close to world class speed, you know, or at least he did when he came into the league. Like you can't there, there's no individual defensive player who can account for that. So Tyreek and I mean, we, we've just seen some throws to Tyreek this year that were, uh, were flat out obscene, absolutely obscene. So you can't you can't get too in your head about any elements of the Kansas City offense. You just have to you have to start them all. When we look at New England, um, you know, for Mad Bets, we did a question as to who would score the most touchdowns, Cam Newton or Patrick Mahomes. And in fact, Patrick Mahomes was giving one and a half. So like, <laughs> so, so Cam would need to score two more touchdowns more, total than Patrick Mahomes in order to win the bet. But I am intrigued by what by this matchup because we've seen different defense, but we've seen Cam hang through the air with his clearly resurgent shoulder, and we've seen him do it on the ground. So this is going to be intriguing in terms of which of his receiving weapons step up. I also want to note before I forget, or so I don't forget, that James White is expected back for this. So as much as we enjoyed seeing Rex Burkhead crowd surf into the end zone, I think some of those opportunities <laughs> will go back to James White. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because Burkhead was was that one guy from um, the waiver wire this week that I just thought was total fool's gold. Like we, mm -hmm. we see a Rex Burkhead game pretty much every year and Rex Burkhead never takes over that backfield workload. Right. Like Harris is coming back as well. Um, maybe if not this right. week, he's at least coming off IR. Um, James White being back in the mix is going to change an awful lot. He has to play a bunch of snaps like you. you hopefully you left Rex Burkhead alone and left it unless it's a, a monstrously deep league because, you know, you, you missed his one big game. Sorry, but it, it doesn't mean that he's going to follow it up with another multi touchdown performance. I also want to see how defense, how the Kansas City defense keys in on Nikhil Harry, whether they think he is someone that deserves their attention or not. 
He has had this this ankle issue on and off, but I believe he's going to be healthy enough to play, in which case I want to see, again, less of his production, because I don't really think that many people are starting out of necessity Nikhil Harry right now, right? But, like, I want to see how, what sort of attention he receives, because then I'll be able to better judge his worth within the landscape. Well, they're also a team that if they're going to, like, if they expect to actually make a, a postseason run of any kind, like, they need to find a second guy. Because right yeah. now, it's 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 like Minnesota. Julian Edelman is actually, he's seeing over 50% of the air yards on that team, which is just not what you think of when you think of Julian Edelman, right? Like, he's not a, he's, he's more of a chain mover. Obviously, that has been his role uh, throughout his New England career. But all of a sudden, his, like, his average targeted air yards are way up. They're like, mm. you know, it went from, like, 9 to 12 this season. And he's seeing literally 50% of the yardage opportunities. So it, it can't remain that way forever in this offense. They're like, they're just not going to be able to hang with teams like the Chiefs, like the Ravens. Buffalo at Las Vegas is interesting to me because the question is, of course, can Josh Allen for the fourth consecutive week pass for over 300 yards? And obviously this is an offense that is catering towards Josh Allen's the things he can do well, right? He hasn't, I, I believe, you know, it was a bit of a weird call, but like the only interception he had last week was over 30 yards. All of his touchdowns last week came under 15 yards. So they they know what he can do. They're trying to fix accuracy, obviously, but even though he has this really strong arm by like not making him throw the ball as far, that makes complete sense. But when I look at this matchup, I think about, frankly, what the Patriots did by taking away Darren Waller. And then, because that's Las Vegas's, especially when you look at the injuries to Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs, um, that's their biggest playmaker. And last week we saw Buffalo key in on Tyler Higby and take him away. So we know that they yeah. have the ability to take away the tight end if that's part of the game plan. So then is this a Hunter Renfro game? Because we even saw last year when when Waller was compromised, um, Hunter Renfro became that security blanket, totally different in terms of electric ability, right? Or explosiveness, but he got fed a lot more in those situations. Yeah, that was the name that I'd highlighted on the on the Raiders side for this one. Without Edwards, without Ruggs, um, they're they're gonna need to lean on Renfro. Like this is a it's actually gonna surprise me if Renfro doesn't see ten or twelve targets in this one. There's just not a lot of names left. Um that like does Nelson Aguilar interest you? Does Zay oh, Jones interest Zay like Jones. I mean th that's that's what we're talking about. This is gonna be a really ugly receiving core minus Darren Waller, um, without without Ruggs and Edwards, without the rookies. So this is like this shapes up for sure as a Hunter Renfro game. But oh, so get to get back to it, as you were talking, I realized that I didn't finish my point because I got waylaid by Hunter Renfro. But Josh Allen <laughs> then, uh, Josh Allen, could he pass for over 300 yards again? Maybe. I don't think he's going to need to, though. Like why in the world? This this could very, very likely become a run for Singletary Moss if he's back. I believe he's expected to play. Like this could become a run-focused effort down the second half because if Waller's not available and it's just Hunter Renfro, I don't think that Josh Allen's going to need to put the ball in the air. I think it would probably benefit me to stop talking about things that <laughs> Josh Allen can't do or won't do because he keeps he keeps Fair doing enough. them right. Like he's a he's an almost entirely new player this year. Like he's uh, you know he's making touch throws. He's hitting these little crossers. Like he's he's making throws that he has not made at any point in his career, either as a college player or as a pro. Like he is about as improved as it gets in the NFL. He's been great. Like the one little thing you'd say with Allen is he still. He still gets a little loose with the football, like as a as a runner and in the pocket and fumbles are are pretty clearly still going to be a problem. But he's just going to be a fantasy monster the rest of the year. I don't want to I'm I'm out of the game of placing limits on Josh Allen for for now. <laughs> how do you how do you uh, how do you feel about placing limits on Carson Wentz? Oh, hell yeah. Um, I, I've I've because, you was know, the only Mr. the only list for you last week. Well, I mean, that was the thing. Like, it was Cincinnati. And if you can't have, like, like I don't know, he, he made some plays, um, but he also made some, like, he continues to make some boneheaded plays, too. And he's not the yeah. he's not the Wentz that he should be that you would have projected at this point in his career. And last week was like the was like the get right game for him. And if it didn't happen and it didn't, I, I think if you're in a one QB league, you have to you have to let him go. It was probably the time to let him go like ahead of last week. And I just didn't want to believe it. So the only places where I'm still holding on to Carson Wentz are, are super flex leagues where you've just got no options except to hope. <laughs> well, we're mentioning Carson Wentz, obviously, because he's traveling to San Francisco. The matchup better than it could have been 
uh, for Wentz, given the injuries to San Francisco. But San Francisco is likely getting Kittle back. Still no Mostert, still no Jimmy G. <laughs> but man, if you thought the 49ers had injury issues... Here's something. Um, Greg Ward was the only wide receiver at Eagles practice yeah. on Thursday. Yeah, they're trying to get Alshon Jeffrey into some sort yep. of uh, operational capacity, right? Like ahead of ahead of schedule. They've got nothing left in the receiving core. The offensive line has been a problem. The quarterback has been a problem probably because of those first two things. Um, it's rough and no Goddard. Uh, it's going to be like it sets up as potentially the Zach Ertz show, which is, you know, one of those perhaps one of those classic 14 catch 80 yard, no touchdown Zach Ertz games could await you a stat that I want to throw out there on on Kittle. And he's coming back from injury. It might not be like fully operational Death Star Kittle, but a couple years ago with Nick Mullins in the eight Nick Mullins games, here's what it looked like for Kittle. It was 9.9 targets per game, 99.1 yards per game. And like he scored a touchdown like every other week. Um, He was like in his record setting season, he was at his absolute best with Nick Mullins. Mullins was targeting him about 30% of the time. Like that pairing was really, really good for fantasy. Not that you need anybody to tell you to start George Kittle, but you should feel especially good about him with Mullins. I have him grabbing six balls for over 75 yards and a touchdown. And I felt that that was a conservative estimate because he was coming off of an injury. All right. Monday night game. We are almost at the end. Atlanta at Green Bay. This should be fun. Um, The extra day could help a few players on both sides to get back to action. Um, It's not actually, you know, that great of a help to fantasy managers, but you've got Devontae and Julio returning to practice on Thursday Man, wouldn't it be like, I really want to have Devontae Adams and Julio Jones back for this because this should be a fun game. Yeah. And the the extra day obviously should help in both cases. And I, like, we know how this game ends, right? Like this game ends with Atlanta either blowing a lead or just never quite keeping up with the Packers because like all Atlanta games end the same way, it seems. Um, so we know how this game ends, but it's going to be tough for Aaron Rodgers if he's really only got Aaron Jones and Valdez Scantling to throw to. I, I would be hopeful that Devontae Adams can come back for this and see his customary 14 targets. Don't sleep on Robert Tanyan. I mean, I, I think that he is a... <laughs> baby, baby Kittle, I'm told. Yeah. I, I think that he is a real thing. Indiana State started at Indiana State as a quarterback, converted to a receiver. You know, he has been a top in terms of snaps and targets, this tight end, this Michigas of tight ends that, that, uh, this, that Green Bay has going. So I think... Atlanta's not been able to contain much of anything, especially the middle. So if you, again, are really hurting at tight end, I'm throwing a dart at him. He's $10, obviously, in our DFS game. So I like him. We do think, though, that Julio is going to play, right? We do think that Julio is going to play. Yeah, it's look, it's looking it's looking good for Julio. Um, He was he was out there, at least in some capacity uh, in practice with midweek, which is a really good sign. Yeah. And these two defenses have been uh, they they allow eight point one and eight point four yards per pass attempt. So neither one has done a particularly great job stopping the pass. And that's all that's all either side wants to do. Um, So it should be fun as long as we can get the prime players healthy. Also, I mean, that's part of the reason that Vegas has the over-under at 56 and a half for this contest. I also think we should keep an eye on Brian Hill, but more on that in a moment. In fact, looking ahead to Sunday, let's make some nutty predictions. Thanks to planters. Andy, what is your nuttiest prediction for Sunday's games? Yeah, give me Kenyon Drake as the overall fantasy RB1. I think it happens here. Um, Obviously, I'm not taking a bold stance on like some under-rostered player here, but it's Carolina. Carolina has been just about the friendliest matchup to the running back position all season. And you look at the schedule for Drake in the weeks ahead. It's Carolina. It's the Jets. It's Dallas. There's not a difficult opponent coming up over the next month or so. I think he's on the verge of a binge here. And I know from your tweets that, that people are unhappy happy with Kenyon Drake right now. So I think he's somebody you can trade for ahead of a bunch of boom weeks. I want to talk about Brian Hill. Who is Brian Hill? Well, he is more than just a former Wyoming cowboy. That's who he is. He's a physical runner who doesn't shy away from contact. And he showed his ability to get well downhill in week three. Now, Todd Gurley outsnapped Brian Hill. But 
Brian Hill produced just two fewer yards than Todd Gurley on five fewer touches. So I think that Brian Hill has the fresher legs, obviously, the obvious burst, and I like him in this matchup. The Packers' defense, run defense, is allowing five and a half yards per carry and an average of 178 scrimmage yards per week to opposing running backs. When I look at Hill's ability... When I see that he is involved in the passing game, when I know that there are injuries to the other Falcons wide receivers, I think that this might be a Wally Pitt moment for Brian Hill. <laughs> right, those were some nutty predictions right there too. Running back breakouts. What can you say? We're a bit nuts. Thanks again to Planters. We remind you at home or wherever you are to stay satisfied with Planters. All right, Andy, that is going to do it for our episode. But if you are still hankering for more podcasts, you've come to the right place. We got a bunch of them at Yahoo. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and Pat Forty. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Andy Barons. One more thanks to Planters. It's all happening, guys. It is all happening. Matt and I will be back to recap week four first thing on Monday morning. For now, though, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.